When you wake up well-rested on a great mattress, everything becomes clear. I do have a favorite child. Things you missed when you were tired finally reveal themselves. I use memes as a coping mechanism. It's Mattress Firm's once-a-year sale and clearance. Get up to 60% off Select Sealy, plus a free adjustable base, all with free and fast delivery. Deals this big won't last long, so don't miss out. The right mattress matters. We'll find yours. Restrictions apply. See store or website for details. Ugh. Not again. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you're eligible for a couple of free rides home each year, guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., you are on the heel. Tom Fitzgerald here with you, and we thank you for uh, joining us once again. David Stewart and Kevin Manziel join us today. They are the makers of a brand new documentary called Going to the Devil, the Impeachment of 1868. It deals with the impeachment of President Andrew Johnson. It is especially timely as we sit here in Washington right now. Just days after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has announced that she will impanel the House Judiciary Committee to move forward on articles of impeachment on President Trump. Kevin, David, thank you. Welcome to On Hill. Thanks for having us. All Good right. So here. the idea of a, of a documentary is something that I think you can't throw together quickly. So what was the I, idea, the hypothesis behind this one? Why did why did you think this needed its own documentary? Well, one, we could feel the momentum starting. This was late summer. This was late summer uh, when you could sense the momentum building toward impeachment. And so in August, we greenlit uh, the, the process for writing it, had it written in just over a month, and then produced it from there. And frankly, the collision of events and uh, our own production of the film uh, was just a magical, uh, uh, perfect storm. Uh, between finishing the documentary and we rushed. It was pretty much around-the-clock work and what you've seen uh, in the house lately. It must have tugged at you both ways. Well, here you are immersed in 1868. The events of the current day are barreling down the tracks at the same time you're working on this. Oh, it was fascinating. So, you know, people are walking around listening to the hearings in their Bluetooth on the on the studio floor, on our uh, company floor, uh, while we're trying to, like you said, immerse ourselves in the, the events of 1868. Uh, the whole time, though, we're trying to say, okay, how do we keep this nonpartisan? How do we make sure that we're not leaning one way or another? We're not purposely drawing lessons to say this is about Donald Trump or this is uh, an argument one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So it was tough to, to keep our focus on the straight and narrow. David, a lot of people might be able to say or remember from history class that Andrew Johnson was the subject of an impeachment but that might be the end of it for for a lot of a lot of folks. Um, what don't people know or remember about Andrew Johnson's impeachment uh, that you know really is is important to inform our opinions about what happened then as it relates to now? Yeah, I think what mostly is not understood is what a titanic event it was. Uh, the course of the nation was at issue. 
the course of Reconstruction. You know, we'd had this massive cataclysmic civil war, huge uh, uh, casualties and deaths. And now we had to, like, rebuild the country. And Johnson was not doing that. He was not knitting the country together. And that's what, at its core, led to the impeachment. Because uh, the Congress didn't like how he was handling Reconstruction. Yes, he was very pro-South. He was a Southerner. He was a slaveholder before the war. And he thought the South didn't need to change. That was the fundamental dispute. And most of the Northerners who had fought and who had relatives who'd f- died thought the South really did need to change, and certainly the freed slaves thought the South needed to change, and that was the fundamental collision that happened. What was the relationship between, you hear very little about this, what was the relationship between Andrew Johnson and Abraham Lincoln? They didn't have much of a relationship. It's a puzzle. Uh, They had served together in Congress for two years. There's no real evidence they dealt with each other much. Um, Lincoln picked Johnson as his running mate as a political move to the middle. Uh, he, Lincoln had locked up the abolitionist votes, so he wanted Johnson to appeal to non-abolitionist voters. And uh, then after 40 days in office, Johnson becomes president. So he had no real time to f- build a relationship with the president. So it was a, a real bump and uh, became a detour. They, they seem to be more alike than they really were. Both born in the you know proverbial log cabins. They were self-made men. But then you get to their politics. And what was the statistic in the documentary that uh, Lincoln voted f- uh, uh, was it for the Wilmot proviso, f- proviso 52 times, and Andrew Johnson voted against it 52 times regarding the expansion of uh, uh, slave rights uh, in uh, uh, Western states. Yeah, it's a time when, when poor boys could still grow up to be president, and they did. Um, but, you know, Lincoln famously said, if, any, if anything is wrong in this world, slavery is wrong. What was and, the con- and Johnson couldn't say that. What was the Congress like? back then because you know we now look at the republican party in modern days um very differently than the republican party that existed during johnson and lincoln's yeah you do have to do a major mind shift because the republicans were the liberals and the democrats were the conservatives but also there are features of the congress that are so different then first of all it was really violent physically violent they before the civil war they beat each other up a good deal um on the floor of the house it, it was bizarre so it was attacked with a cane one day it, well yeah. almost killed yeah. charles sumner yeah. plays a, uh, a major role in the documentary where he's caned uh after a, a member of congress from south carolina tries to defend the honor of his uh, fellow compatriot from south carolina that's actually, right but d- actually do some of my uh, my live shots on state of the union night very close to that exact spot oh my God. in what is now statuary hall well they also, the conflict between Johnson and the Republicans ended up uh, with the Republicans keeping the southern states out of Congress. So there were 10 southern states at the time of the impeachment that were not represented. So you have an overwhelmingly Republican Congress. They had more than three-quarters of the senators and congressmen are, in fact, Republicans. And Johnson's natural constituency mostly isn't there. So that 
emboldens the Republicans to really try this. Um, but it also means there's an issue of the legitimacy of Congress. So there was no feeling that after Lincoln's assassination, the, the country and the Congress had to rally around Andrew Johnson. In fact, it was the opposite because they viewed him suspiciously. You know, it, it was a funny U-turn that happened. He took office as a very, his first public statements were very vengeful. Uh, we want to hang some Confederates. Mm -hmm. But within a month or two, he completely did a 180 and was talking about the need to let the South rebuild itself, let the former Confederates control their own government. And that is what happened, and that's what caused the real conflict with the Repub Republicans. Kevin, uh, the documentary is called Going to the Devil. Mm -hmm. Why is it called Going to the Devil? It's, it's eye-opening. That's a yeah. great story. Uh, toward the end of the documentary, toward the end of the events, essentially, that we tell, uh, Thaddeus Stevens on the Senate floor, uh, once uh, Andrew Johnson, uh, during one of the two votes, uh, he, he is uh, acquitted by one vote, a single vote. And Thaddeus Stevens, so angry uh, that he's essentially lost this death struggle, says the country is going to the devil. Uh, here's, they hear thundered across the floor. And while he said it um, about wanting to impeach him, we thought that it aptly summarized uh, both sides and their competing visions for America. Is impeachment all that different now? And when I say now, I mean in regards to either Trump, Clinton, or, or Nixon than it was back in the 1860s? The Constitution hasn't changed. Uh, the rules uh, uh, haven't changed. I do think, in an odd way, we're becoming accustomed to impeachment. Uh, it has become, you know, we've had now three and 50 years, uh, which feels like a lot. Uh, and we, in the first 170 years, we had one. So that, I think, is the big change. And for that causation and consequences, we need to think pretty hard and, frankly, look at, look at ourselves. Um, there are some differences in how the Congress is, is made up right now, but essentially, uh, in, in a big macro picture way, it, it is similar in that the House would pass this, then there would be a, a, a trial uh, in the Senate, which it looks like we are headed towards uh, in our time right now. Uh, what was the basis of the articles of impeachment against Johnson at the time? It was his violation of the Tenure of Office Act for firing the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. Uh, that statute required that all such removals of cabinet officials be uh, confirmed by the Senate. And actually, Johnson tried to remove him, and the Senate refused to confirm it. And then finally, he said, the heck with this, and just removed him on his own. Power And so he was picking the fight. Now, the Republicans, and Thaddeus Stevens in particular, had laid at the trap, which Johnson knew, that the final provision of the Tenure of Office Act said violations of this statute are a high crime and misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. So they were aiming at impeachment. And to be honest, Johnson essentially said in 21st century terms, bring it on. And he wanted to have that fight. And that was what it was fought over, although... It really was a bigger, it's such a bigger collision. Mm -hmm. That just be becomes the hook 
the reason you have it. And I think you can see that today, frankly. Mm-hmm. We have a very controversial president, a president people have been unhappy about, many people have been unhappy about for a long time. And then this one thing happens and people say, ah, that's too much. I'm not going to take this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a real parallel between the two. Obviously, we live in a different media age. Uh, it goes without saying. Uh, these days where every presidential tweet suddenly gets its its own headline. Um, but, you know, one thing that hasn't changed is the fact that there are very strong feelings about all, all of this uh, in the country, whether we're talking about today or whether back then. What do we know about what the public felt about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson? Was it supported popularly or was this a controversial thing? Well, I'm speaking from the political side. The, one of the debates within the Republicans was, should we even pursue impeachment? Uh, because they thought, <clears throat> and this Country is a debate. Been a lot. This is a yeah. debate you hear now in today's uh, politics as well. Why not just beat him at the ballot box? It is an election year. That's one of the great parallels: is that is that this is an impeachment investigation in an election year. So, how do you want to? How do you want to beat him? And they stood the prospect of if Andrew Johnson um, had been elected to a full term of having him around a lot longer than maybe just a standard four-year presidency. They did. Uh, I do think there was a uh, a lot of feeling that uh, they just had to do something and among the people who actually pushed it forward. Public opinion is tougher to gauge in the 1860s. We don't have opinion polls. We don't have, you know, social media comments. But it does seem like uh, it was, of course, a very sectional thing. You had northern opinion was pretty pro-impeachment for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Southerners always stood with Johnson. He was their friend. Uh, And, you know, when you look at the election that finally happened, Ulysses Grant runs against not Johnson. He's the, Grant is the Republican. He runs against, I think it was Horatio Seymour, uh, the Democrat, and he doesn't beat him that badly. So, you know, the the Republicans sort of got away with it uh, and, and were able to win the presidency, even though they had uh, uh, taken their shot at uh, Johnson and failed. You know, the old saying, when you shoot at the king, you better kill him. Well, they had shot at the (laughs) king and hadn't killed him. Uh, Kevin, let's talk about the the structure of how the film works. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I think you and I have in common is that we deal in in a visual medium and that when you tell a story, you have to have visual elements to the story. So... 1868, no C-SPAN, um, no newsreels. Um, very little no, Twitter. Very yeah. little Twitter. There was <laughs> photography back then. Um, but that's about it. Um, so how do you piece together a movie out of all this? What, what tools do you have at your disposal to bring this story to life in a visual way? So <laughs> funny at the you know the great courses we are a video production company we rallied the forces we got everyone together all hands on deck and asked the exact same question of ourselves how do we uh, visually represent this 
and uh, fortunately we have a crack team of uh, uh, intellectual property researchers and we scoured Library of Congress and uh, public domain images. Uh, we got very creative in we even commissioned some original illustrations to uh, one of the scenes I, I remember uh, great from our documentary is the one where Andrew Johnson is told before speaking event that someone's going to assassinate him and he pulls out his pistol puts it on the podium in this grand language uh, basically dares whoever it is in the crowd to shoot him to go ahead and take aim and there's crickets he says okay i must have uh, been uh um, misunderstood that must have been a sight too to see the president of the united states whip out a, a pistol, pistol yeah point. very yeah. different time well, before right? his presidency yeah. before <laughs> the presidency <laughs> but um it, that was something that you you have to have an image for so we got some wonderful illustrations uh for that so you really don't notice throughout the documentary the fact that it's 1868 and photographs are a novelty at the time i was struck when you were on the television program we we did air era clip you were able to kind of uh, not only use those illustrations but you move through them in, in, in a um in a physical way yeah as well too that actually when you're watching it, it kind of makes you it, you almost trick us into think we're watching uh, a coverage of this because of the way you use those illustrations. That's it. You know, I'm glad you noticed that because that was one of the things we wanted to do, not just wallpaper the documentary. Uh, Ken Burns taught everyone a great amount about how much you can say with a single image. Um, but we wanted to have rich imagery, but not overwhelm. Let the story breathe. Let the story and the facts um, speak for themselves. Uh, and I think we accomplished that pretty darn well. Ah, come on. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you are eligible to receive a couple of free rides home each year. Guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. It's been over 25 years now since Ken Burns' uh, Civil War uh, film came out, and it's really re led to a, a, a renaissance, maybe not even a renaissance, just a, a birth of all kinds of, of documentary filmmaking about historical uh, uh, subjects. Um, David, why do people find themselves so drawn to these stories like Going to the Devil where they can kind of immerse themselves in these stories that they knew a little bit about, but, but maybe not more than that. You know, there's two big reasons. One is they're great stories. Mm -hmm. I've always been amazed that there are people who love fiction but don't want to study history because the best characters are in history, and you wouldn't believe these people. You couldn't make up Andrew Johnson. You couldn't make up Thaddeus Stevens. Or if somebody did, you'd say, no, no, not a, not a guy with a limp who has, wears a wig. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, central. But also the stakes were so high. It was so important. And that adds an extra layer. And it, it still resonates to us. I mean, as we go through this impeachment story with, with President Trump, what happened in the Johnson case will be precedent, will be things people look at, and we'll have to figure out what it dictates to how we deal with this. As a historian in this moment, um, does it remind you of the value 
that you know really not to put too big of a of a, a burden on your shoulders but the value that the nation really does have of historians that we do need collectively as a nation to understand this oh well you're you're in my sweet spot here i think <laughs> yeah. you know we don't we we need to know our history cuz a lot of people the reason i ask is a lot of people rolled their eyes at the judiciary committee hearing the other day with the four law professors and i even said on the air in my report that day that if you were somebody who uh, hung on every word of every moment of the impeachment then you probably loved that hearing the other day but unless you enjoyed hearing you know legal scholars and politicians argue over the constitution your eyes might have rolled up in, in in the back of your head at the moment but what the judiciary committee was really doing that day was a whole history lesson they needed to get into the bones of why the framers created this idea of impeachment and and how is that applied or not implied so is is that the role of a historian in in modern times right now especially when the country is faced with, with wrestling with these issues in modern day yes but it, i think it always has been one burden i think historians have which they need to meet is to tell the stories you know they we love to talk about the big tectonic movements in the world but also make it human tell the stories that's what people follow and tell it in a way that people want to read well and historians don't tell you what to think they'll relate the facts they'll give you the the compelling drama uh, even of the facts but going deeper and deeper in history you get away from the Clinton trial wounds are still fresh get away from the Nixon uh, hearings where people still have vested <coughs> excuse me vested interests in them go back further so that we can get to a point of analysis and not ideological grandstanding no one has a, uh, a dog in the fight in Andrew Johnson we can be objective about it and really take uh, some analytical lessons for today. You know, one of the great examples of that for me is in the Johnson case, the senator who's credited with getting him off, the one vote was this Senator Edmund G. Ross, and it's been acclaimed as a very heroic moment. Well, in my book, I was able to explore the fact that it was corrupt. He was, his, bought was, his vote was purchased with probably cash, but definitely patronage appointments. Which, you know, at the time, you know, was as wrong routine. as it was, was not that unusual. He That's probably wasn't the worked. only one. Yeah. <laughs> but because he's credited with the one, as the one, I, r I really got into it. And, you know, that's something that people need to understand and get the, the full picture. And that's something, you know, history can do and get away from the, you know, the myths. The myths are powerful, but they're myths. And the fact is always more powerful than fiction. Right. And, you know, great courses, we, we uh, traffic in that, the fact over the fiction. But this is a story that's bigger than life. It was an epic death struggle for the future of America. It's amazing. I remember when uh, George W. Bush was about to leave the presidency, somebody had asked him uh, during one of his final news conferences what he thought about how he would be remembered in history. And Bush's answer was, to the effect of uh, it doesn't really matter to me we're all dead in history right um <laughs> which was a really funny line and god awful accurate but does it also empower you in, in, in a way you do have objectivity you you can call 
balls and strikes. You're not doing news reporting here. You're doing history. So you're able to approach it uh, really, truly, truly objective. And, and most historians will tell you you're not really objective. You know, maybe I could be objective about the Byzantine Empire of the 7th century, but, you know, something in American history, I bring my own views to. Fine. But if you were to ask me to, as journalists do, as you do, to cover today, I would short out because, you know, I don't have time to look at everybody's position. I don't have the 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 leisure to think about it and go for a long walk and get it together. I, you've got to go on in 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's a very different obligation. Uh, and it's a, it's wonderful work. The, the old line, it's the first draft of journalism, is the first draft of history. And it is true. Um, but it is a tremendous luxury to be able to take more time and to look at all the different sources. And, what, and that's the pleasure. One of the differences I've always looked at is that in news reporting, um, you need to be careful of uh, absolutism. Sure. That you cannot categorically say in a moment if you do not have the facts to support that, that something is going to be this or that. Um, so you do need to uh, pump the brakes uh, as far as how absolute you will be on things, whereas in history, you know how things have turned out. So that's there right. is that advantage. And yeah. That's exactly right. But it's also true... You know, as a writer of history, the impeachment story of Andrew Johnson, I had to. Johnson's an unattractive figure to me. He's a racist. He's ill-tempered. Um, he didn't, I think, do good for the country. But I had to sit myself down and say, okay, look at his argument. Make sense out of it. It made sense to him, and it made sense to a lot of his his fellow citizens. Even, so, so be yeah. fair to it. Even in the photographs you see of him, though. He always does. He's a tough-looking guy. He seems to be scowling, and I can't say that I've you know sat down with a with a uh, you know large collection of daguerreotypes of him or anything like that. But the image in my mind of Andrew Johnson always does seem to be kind of brooding and, and somewhat foul mood. Well, and I think the the documentary does a good piece of drawing this out where. Okay, so he was born in North Carolina, but uh, early on in his teens, moves to eastern Tennessee. And it's a mean country that he grew up in, and it's hard scrabble. And was it he led his blind horse into town, I think is the words we use. And it affected him. It affected him greatly and deeply. Uh, one of the other scholars in our uh, documentary, Brenda Wineapple, makes this great point that where... Abraham Lincoln's poverty growing up made him more empathetic to others. It just made Andrew Johnson more angry. And you see that divergence immediately after Lincoln's assassination. That's incredible because it's that nurture-nature argument there about what effect do life's circumstances have on you as you become an adult. Right. Right. Well, and in how do people view you in these great swerves of history? Uh, one other thing to know about Johnson, uh, what was it? They called him mockingly his accidency, the president, which is, can, I mean, can you imagine people regularly referring to the president of this? I, w- I want to ask you that because we talked about this on the television show when I have thought about Andrew Johnson and Donald Trump. The, the one thing that occurred to me that is similar in nature to both of them 
that in, in, in some ways they were accidental presidents. Now, Johnson assumed the presidency, obviously, because of the assassination of, of Abraham Lincoln. But, you know, there were so many people writing Donald Trump off the day of, the day before the election, the polls saying that Hillary Clinton, one poll said she had a 99% chance of being elected to president. So there are well-versed reports that Trump himself was surprised to have won. So does that affect um, how a president will deal with impeachment if, if nobody was really expecting them to be there to begin with? You know, they call him the accident. Um, you could call Trump the surprise in, in, in some ways. Does, if Congress goes into an impeachment with the mindset that this pres- person should not have been president to begin with, does that just throw fuel on the fire? It, it, the legitimacy of the presidency plays a role. I, I don't think it's that big a role, to be honest. Uh, we've had other presidents who succeeded to office. Uh, you know, we've had... Uh, Theodore Roosevelt took over from uh, William McKinley. We've had uh, Harry Truman took over from Franklin Roosevelt. There were no impeachment uh, talks about those people. Lyndon Johnson, after Kennedy was killed. Uh, Chester Arthur, after Garfield was killed. So it is something in the air, but it's by no means dispositive. It's no by no means predictive. I think it... it has much more to do with what you do when you become the president. And, and we've had, you know, other presidents throughout history that were, you know, known for corruption. Um, you know, <laughs> bad. We've had, you know, bad presidents. And, I'm, you know, uh, but some of them, you know, we've only had four that, that have that have faced faced impeachment. So what what rises to the level of impeachment that maybe. Um, some others who probably deserved it didn't face. You need a divided government. The other party has to control the House of Representatives or it doesn't happen. And uh, to be honest, you need to be sufficiently unpopular. Uh, At the end of the day, it is a decision as to whether this person should be president. And congressmen are not going to go forward unless they think there's a lot of people out there who think this person shouldn't be president. I want to talk a little bit about the film and how people can um, view it, experience Mm -hmm. it. Um, Tell us about um, your um, company that's put this together and uh, the the goal of uh, of all of these films. Sure. So The Great Courses, we've been around since 1990. Uh, We've created more than 700 series uh, of uh, nonfiction, educational, entertainment media. Historically, we've been making liberal arts and sciences long-form entertainment, upwards of 12 hours. Uh, But recently, we've been trying to uh, inject uh, our voice into national debate. So we've created uh, short-form pieces on the opioid epidemic, Apollo 11, uh, the fire at Notre Dame, uh, World War I and the uh, anniversary of uh, the end of that. Um, So this has been something that's been conscious for us. Uh, you know, as we said on the on the show, this was a remarkable collision that uh, we were producing this at the time that the impeachment hearings were heating up. This certainly sped up our process. Typically, it takes us a year and a half to two years to make a piece. We did this in about three and a half months. 
uh, probably shave some years off a few uh, people's lives yeah. uh, at the we office. We both had dark hair. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's been amazing. Um, but this has really shown us a way that we can help contribute to national debate uh, without taking a side, because that's simply what we do not want to do. How can people... Um watch the great courses films they can go to the great courses plus.com uh, you can get a free trial there and access more than 500 of our series including this one and for going to the devil we've created a special url just go to going to the devil.com and you'll see andrew johnson's face uh, right on the page that you land on i imagine there's going to be a lot of people checking this out now because we hope uh, so the the, the 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 times that we're in right now are screaming for people to get better informed about what we're in the middle of right now uh, i'm not going to let you get away though um quite quickly when you mentioned something just now and you mentioned it earlier as we were getting ready to do this podcast you mentioned the fire at the notre dame Cathedral. yeah you were there i was there i Tell was me there about that. my gosh i was there with my family uh, we were uh, visiting friends who came in from Germany, and literally as we came out of the metro station and as we come up the escalator, you can see people running the opposite direction toward us. Uh, the shopkeepers on the street are all closing up, putting their wares under their arms, and I look up and you can see smoke building. We walk toward it, walk toward it, what's going on? and uh, saw the, the fire. There's a collective gasp from hundreds and then thousands of people. This was the evening commute for them uh, during the week. And it was, it was scary, it was horrifying. Um, at the time, the, the, the main steeple um, caught fire. Literally, you heard the entire crowd of people gasp in horror. Um, I took photos, I took video, it's amazing. I go back to it, but it was a scary time. I'm glad I was there for it, but it was also very sad because something, you know, real was lost in that. The day of the fire, I was uh, at the United States Capitol, and I was in the office of a, a U.S. senator, and uh, the entire staff, uh, and Senator Mark Warner from Virginia, and uh, were gathered around the, the, the television that day, and people were affected by that, and, you know... I don't know why I was surprised that they would be affected by that. But, David, it kind of, just to bring this full circle, it drove home to me how much people really do care about history and how it, even if they maybe don't acknowledge it as, as a conscious part of their day, that when they are, are faced with maybe the loss of something like this, it really does show you how much history does mean to people. I think you're right. Uh, it also is an impressive, to me, uh, illustration of how much the world has shrunk. Mm -hmm. uh, so many, I mean, Kevin was there. Mm -hmm. He's sitting next to us. But, you know, so many people in this country have been able to get to Paris and have, had seen it. And it was part of their life. And certainly they'd seen images. And, you know, 150 years ago, that was a very narrow slice of the country uh, of the population would have so uh it makes us citizens of the world which in that case was a horror but it also is important for us i think about it in terms of washington dc where you have essentially a living museum around you 
We walk around uh, a city of heritage, the the Capitol, the White House. You could do a tour of the Andrew Johnson impeachment trial Mm -hmm. uh, to all the landmarks. If one of those disappeared tomorrow, if one of those erupted in flames, it would be horrifying to people. Whether they're historians or call themselves history fans or not, they appreciate it. And when it disappears, it's something precious that they've lost. Kevin Menzel and David Stewart have been our guests this time on the On the Hill podcast. The film is called Going to the Devil, the Impeachment of 1868. And Kevin, give that uh, website one more time for people. Sure. Goingtothedevil.com or thegreatcoursesplus.com. You'll see it in both locations. Uh, It's a fascinating documentary on the impeachment of Andrew Johnson um, back in 1868. Gentlemen, we thank you both for uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us, not only about this film, but also how it fits into our lives uh, today, right now. Sure. It's fascinating Thank you very much. I appreciate Thanks a lot. It. And we appreciate you. We thank you for taking time to join us on The Hill. I'm Tom Fitzgerald from the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. This has been On The Hill. We'll see you back here next time. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, 988 provides 24-7 compassionate support and connection to trained counselors. When you call, text, or chat 988, you'll be quickly connected to trained counselors who will listen to your concerns, provide support, and connect you to additional resources if needed. There is hope. The lifeline works. You are not alone. For 24-7 support, just call, text, or chat 988.